Well, thank you for that welcome, everybody. It really is great to be here, whether you're uh, here with us, whether you're watching online. And a uh, happy Mother's Day to, uh, well, to everyone. Uh, it is really, uh, really great to, uh, to be with you today. I think it's quite fitting, actually, that it is Mother's Day as we're looking at this sermon series about uh, sharing the good news. Because trust you'd agree, when uh, a baby is born or when a child is adopted and the news go, goes out, that is uh, good news. Um, it reminds me actually of one of my uh, favourite TV comedies, in fact one of my favourite uh, TV shows, um, Only Fools and Horses, which I just watched back recently, when um, uh, the main character Del Boy and Raquel have just had their baby and Raquel is is lying there in hospital with this newborn baby in her arms and Dale's looking lovingly over her shoulder and repeating, it's a little baby, Raquel. <laughs> and um, she says, uh, I wonder what that swelling was. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dale realizes that he's not shared the good news. And so he rushes out into the corridor of the maternity ward uh, to see Uncle Albert and his brother Rodney. And uh, he shares the good news with them in a very Dale boy way. He says, we've done it. We've only gone and done it. Uh, and you see um, a beaming Albert and Rodney looking back at him. And Rodney says, obviously inquiring as to whether the baby is a boy or a girl, um, what is it, Del? And Del says, it's a little baby, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> now, clearly, Rodney was um, grasping for a little bit more information than that. Um, it's natural, isn't it? When you hear news, when you hear good news, you want to know a little bit more about it. And actually, that normally happens, doesn't it? You know, I know if I um, hear that a baby has been born and it's sort of one of my friends and I'm passing it on to my wife, uh, there's certain bits of information I have to pass on, like, is it a boy or a girl? You know, mum is well. For some reason, the weight of a baby. I don't want to be rude, but, you know, I love your baby. I want to affirm your baby. I hope your baby grows up to be a great person. But I don't care how much they weigh. But anyway, <laughs> and I don't see why I'm told off when I get it wrong. Uh, you know, it's not going to change our plans for the day, is it? But... There are other parts of the news that when we unpack them, they help us and they, they inspire us more to share that good news with others. Other times, the content of that good news actually tells us what makes that good news good. And that's what we're looking at today. Last week, the great start to the series with Andrew, we were introducing the good news. This week, we're thinking about the content of the good news. That is, what makes the good news good? And my prayer is as we do this, that as we think about the content, as we think about what makes this news so glorious, that we will be inspired afresh to share that good news with others. And that plenty more people will hear the good news, will come into the kingdom of God, will come to know Jesus Christ, and God will get lots of glory. And so we're continuing where we left off last week. We're looking in the Gospel of John. Uh, this week in chapter 3, where Jesus meets a man named Nicodemus. And I want to look at three things from this uh, little interaction between G Jesus and Nicodemus. Three things uh, that help us to see why the good news is so good. Uh, number one is this, that it is good news of a life in a new kingdom. Good news of a life in a new kingdom. So John chapter 3 begins, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so we see this man, Nicodemus, he is a Pharisee, so he's a member of the, the strictest uh, religious sect. He is uh, a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. 
to the ones that, you know, looked after the really hard cases. In other words, this guy is a big deal, right? If you were to go to the sort of modern equivalent, you go to an evangelical conference, he's the guy that everybody wants to see. He's the guy or girl, whatever, uh, that, you know, sells all the books and we know he's a big name, okay? He's got all the credentials, if you like. But he comes to Jesus and it tells us here that he comes to Jesus at night. He comes to Jesus, and it seems from what he says here as well, that he sees something in Jesus. He can't explain what it is particularly, but he wants to know more. He's inquiring. But why does he come at night? Well, I think it's true to say that night and day, darkness and light, is a bit of theme throughout John. So he's saying, you know, Nicodemus is in the darkness. He's coming to see Jesus, the true light. But I think on just a more practical level, he's coming at night ultimately because he doesn't really want to be seen. I think if you look at the end of the gospel, you see Nicodemus mentioned alongside Joseph of Arimathea, and he's described as somebody who kind of worshipped Jesus in secret. Now, I don't think Nicodemus is at that point yet, but I do think he goes on a bit of a journey, comes to know Jesus, and I do think that's a bit of evidence to say that actually Nicodemus was coming at night so he wouldn't be seen. He knew as this great religious figure, he had a lot to lose if he was seen with this rebellious, uh, radical rabbi. And so he knows there's a cost to coming to see Jesus. And you know what? I empathise with Nicodemus. When I came here back in 2006, I was invited along by a friend. I met lots of people here. And I felt in exactly the same position. I knew there was something in it. I couldn't tell what it was, but I wanted to find out more. I wanted to inquire. I wanted to know what it was that was going on. What was I seeing in these people? Perhaps that's true of some of you. You know, a family member. Maybe they've come to know the Lord. Perhaps a friend. And you're seeing in them something and you think maybe there's something in it. Maybe there's something when we worship, you feel something and you want to find out more. But maybe like me and like Nicodemus, you also felt that maybe there was a cost to it. You know, I knew early on that if I was going to go in for this, I was going to go all in. And I knew there was a cost to that. I wonder what would that look like to my friends? How would they feel about it? What would it do with the way I spend my time, my lifestyle? What would it mean to what I do with my money? But whenever there's a cost to something, all you have to ask is one simple question. Is it worth it? Okay, if I speak with my accountant's hat on, it's a cost-benefit analysis. Okay? We know what the cost is, what is the benefit? Now, why is this important for us in thinking of sharing the good news? Because it isn't just people who are coming to the Lord who sense that uh, sense of cost. I think we do sometimes. I think sometimes we hold back on sharing the good news with others because we look and think, well, they seem to have it all together. Actually, if they were to come to Jesus, there'd be a cost to them. Maybe they'd have to change their lifestyle. Maybe they play football on a Sunday and we don't want to interrupt that. You know? Maybe there's, they like to do certain things with their money and they, perhaps they wouldn't want to give to the church, etc. And sometimes we can hold back. But we have to remind ourselves again, what is the benefit of coming to Jesus? When there is a cost to something, we simply have to ask that question. Is it worth it? What is the benefit? To give you an example... There is a cost to my children, okay? I have uh, three boys, Jack, Isaac, and Arlo. They are eight, five, and one, soon to be eight, six, and two. Um, and there is a cost to them. They have cost us a lot. They have cost us emotionally. Uh, they have cost us in terms of our sleep. Uh, they have certainly cost us in terms of our uh, finances. Um, that was brought into stark reality recently, actually, uh, just the other day. Uh, my wife Becky and I were chatting away in the kitchen. Uh, the boys were all in the living room. I just stuck my head in on them um, not long before, so I knew what they were doing. Uh, Jack and Isaac, the older two, were playing a computer game, and my uh, littlest one, so my soon-to-be two-year-old Arlo, uh, was playing with one of his older brother's action toys. We were playing with Spider-Man. 
What game was he playing with Spider-Man? I, uh, I hear you ask. He was playing the game, will Spider-Man be able to break the telly if you throw him at it, okay? <laughs> what is the answer to that? The answer is, is of course he can. He's Spider-Man, okay? Now, what you're seeing there is the WhatsApp photo that my wife uh, showed later on. So the blue bit around the side, that's normal, that's meant to be there, that's the screen of the TV. The lovely colour of ribbon down the side, that's not meant to be there, okay? But it's there forever now. Um, and the green bit is highlighting where Spider-Man did all the damage there, okay? And so she sent off this picture on WhatsApp, basically saying what had happened. Uh, and it was a great cost to us. We only got that telly about a year ago or something. But the question is, are the children, is Arlo worth it? This is the next uh, picture that she sent on the WhatsApp <laughs> with a comment underneath saying, you'll notice there are a distinct lack of responsibility in that face, okay? <laughs> but she put underneath, you know, how could you stay mad at this little face for long? <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? I mean, don't tell him this, but truth be told, he could break a million tellies as far as we're concerned <laughs> because the benefit far outweighs the costs. There's a great cost to them, but they are so worth it. And this is what we see in stark reality when Nicodemus comes here. He might be conscious of the cost, but actually the benefit far outweighs that cost. Jesus actually describes coming to Jesus. There may be a cost of coming to Jesus, but Jesus is saying, when you come to me, you can enter into the kingdom of God. When we share the good news of people, we're sharing the good news of a life in a new kingdom. I've shared this kind of thing before, but I remember really feeling this when I became a Christian. I can remember there was a longing that I'd had all my life that was suddenly satisfied when I became a Christian. You know, I can remember as a little boy, vividly lying at primary school on a, on a not at primary school, but after primary school, lying on a, a freshly made bed and reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and reading the bit where Charlie opens the chocolate bar and the gold ticket comes out. And just the excitement of thinking, there's his ticket to that chocolate factory, that great adventure that lies ahead of him. Or as I've shared with you before, just a wonderful moment, all gathered round the uh, TV, watching the BBC adaptations of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and seeing the children enter through that wardrobe into that fantasy kingdom of Narnia. Just having that wonderful longing to just go somewhere else, to find something more adventurous and more exciting, to some other great kingdom. But then you grow up and you become an accountant and you find life isn't always <laughs> quite as exciting as that. And you put away those childish things, but something deep inside you always has that thing to say, isn't there more? Isn't there more to life than this? Isn't there something in there? Maybe you sense that longing in yourself today. Well, I want to tell you, God has put that longing in you. The Bible tells us God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That when we come to see Jesus, when we come to him, it's not just taking on a religion or a way of life or a philosophy or some do's and don'ts. It is entering through a portal into a new kingdom. When we offer these tickets to people. This isn't a ticket to come and see a show or just come to see a service. This is something far greater than a golden ticket to a chocolate factory. This is a ticket to come and hear the good news and to enter into a life in a new kingdom. I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> so that's the first thing. 
it is good news of a life in a new kingdom. Secondly, it is good news of a life with the Spirit. What happens next in the discussion is a discussion of how you enter into that kingdom. And actually, Nicodemus and Jesus both agree, you enter into it by birth. The difference is Nicodemus thinks you enter into the kingdom of God through your first birth. That is, he thinks he enters into it simply by being born a child of Abraham. And there's some truth in that, right? They are the chosen people of God. God uh, chose Abraham and blessed his descendants to be their people. But Jesus actually says there's a little bit more to it than that. And actually, it's much wider than just being the family of Abraham. There's great benefits, and the door to the kingdom is open to them as well. But actually, it is open wide to everybody, because it comes not through the first birth, but for the second birth. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I ask you not to focus on that image too long, okay? Now, I don't think, I told you not to, okay? It's not my fault. Um, I don't think Nicodemus is stupid, okay? He is an intelligent man. He's not really thinking that was what Jesus is meaning. What he's basically saying is, Jesus, if I take you literally on what you're just saying, this is what it would mean. And there's no way you can mean that. So ultimately he's saying, what do you mean, Jesus? In other words, he has all the credentials, but at the moment it seems he has none of the comprehension. And Jesus unpacks it for him. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Now, what does that mean? I'm pretty convinced now that that's a reference back to the Old Testament, probably most clearly the book of Ezekiel, where it talks about uh, water coming as a cleansing and then the spirit obviously being your new birth. Okay? So other people would say baptism, other people think water means the natural birth, but I think it means a cleansing. And I don't just think that theologically, if you want to talk to me through about that, I can talk to you another time when we've got a bit more time to talk about it. But I can vouch for that personally. I remember when I first became a Christian, and I remember, and I've told some of you about it before when I've given my testimony, that I went out one night in Nottingham, when I was, oh dear, when I, when I was saying with my um, uh, sister, and I went out on a dark, clear night, and I said sorry to God for the way I'd been leaving my life. And, you know, I don't understand it all, Lord, but will you help me? And the very next day, I felt entirely different. And I can remember, because I was studying uh, to be an accountant at the time, I was at the accounting training place in, in Nottingham, I can remember, again, quite vividly, being on the stairs at one point, and a friend of mine coming down the stairs, and us stopping on the stairs and sort of chatting to each other. And while we were chatting about, you know, accounting, as accountants do, or an exam that was coming up, or something like that, I can remember just thinking to myself, while speaking to this person, you know how sometimes you're talking, but you're not really listening, and something else is going on, I can remember thinking, I feel different. All that shame, all that horrible feeling I used to feel every single day that was bringing on all this depression that I just lived in. It's gone. just felt cleansed from the inside. And I felt there was a new power in me, like a new life force. Do you know why I felt those feelings? Because I've been born again. I've been born of water and the Spirit. I'd been cleansed and received the Spirit of God on the inside of me. If this doesn't encourage us and inspire us to share the good news with other people, you know, people out there, you never know what they're going through. I remember a, a chilling story a friend told me years back. She was all right in the end, but they were all working one day in their office, and all of a sudden, a lady on that office just turned to the window, started banging her head repeatedly against it. They had no idea what she was going through. 
It wouldn't be right to share. But ultimately, she was suffering in silence. You don't know the people around you, how much they're suffering, how much they need the Lord, how much they need that new life inside of them. And we have the opportunity to share the good news, that dynamic life where the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of them, cleanses them, gives them new life. Not some outward religion, some do's and don'ts or anything like that, but a dynamic, exciting life with the Spirit of God on the inside of him himself. The other thing it means though, the other thing this brings into fresh focus for it is not just to inspire us to share the good news, but it tells us a little bit about how we should share the good news. See, what this tells us is that to enter the kingdom of God, to become a Christian, to receive the good news, to receive new life in Jesus, it's actually a work of God. It's not ultimately something that we do. We play our part, but ultimately it's a work of God. Let me give you an illustration. On the 31st of March, 2021, it became clear to me, because I'm, you know, pretty up on these things, that my wife was going into labour, okay? <laughs> and so I snapped into action immediately. I finished the chapter of the book I was reading, and <laughs> I asked her lots of questions about all the stuff that I was supposed to have listened to in the weeks running up to this point of all the stuff we needed to do at this moment, okay? And uh, eventually we got everything together, the bag ready for the hospital and all that kind of thing. And we made our way down into the hallway. But then at that point, I realised something important. I'd forgotten to put the orthopaedic lifts that I wear into my shoes, okay? Now, just to give you a bit of background, I have flat feet, okay? Which means two things. One, my clutch control is terrible. And secondly, I'm in a lot of pain if I don't wear these orthopaedic lifts that I have, okay? So I realised this down in the hall, so I said to uh, Becky, I'll be just a moment. And so I went upstairs and she said, Tom, what are you doing? Now, I don't want you to judge her for this, but her tone was a little bit impatient, okay? <laughs> and I said, I'm just going to get my lifts. And she said, do you really need them? Because we need to go. And I said, Becky, have you any idea how much pain I'll be in on that maternity <laughs> ward? <laughs> do you want to be in pain on that maternity ward? Okay? There'll be no gas and air for me, okay? <laughs> now, while most of that story is frighteningly true. <laughs> the last bit isn't. I didn't really say that, okay? I just went upstairs and got them, okay? <laughs> and the reason I didn't say that is because I know that actually when we get on that maternity ward, it ain't going to be me that's doing most of the work. <laughs> and it isn't the baby. Actually, it's my wife who's giving birth who really does the work. And it's the same when it comes to being born again. It is the Spirit of God that does the work. Now, we play our part, just like I play my part in the maternity ward, okay? Having my hand wrenched off, uh, mopping brows and things like that. But what Becky doesn't want me to do is take over. Push me on the bed, get on there and strain. It's not going to help anybody, okay? But you know, sometimes I think we forget this when it comes to people being born again. We get so desperate, probably from good intentions, we so want it to happen, that we actually jettison the way we're meant to help. We don't play our part in the right way. We get so desperate from that we can nag, we can hector, we take the responsibility on ourselves so it can actually become such a burden we feel sad about it and strained about it. I just want to release you from that burden. The Lord will work through you if you just do your part. What is our part? It's to share the good news. That's what Jesus said. How can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? That's the part we play. We can play our part by inviting people along, by being good witnesses, by praying for them, by sharing with them, by answering their questions with gentleness and respect. We can't get anywhere with nagging or hectoring or being judgmental or any of those things. Release yourself from that responsibility. This is a godly thing. Let's do it the godly way. 
Let's trust in him, let's pray, and let's share the good news that they might experience that wonderful life with the Spirit. And the third and final thing that we can say about the good news, what makes the good news good is this. It is good news of a life everlasting. Good news of a life everlasting. Do you know one of the things that really came to me when I became a Christian was all of a sudden this sense that the way I behaved mattered. And this sense of condemnation and judgment and so on that I was hanging over was actually, in some sense, deserved because I should have known better. And actually, when I became a Christian and I understood just how good God was and how much he'd done for me, and the fact that I owed my very breath to him and every opportunity that I'd had and squandered and every bad thing that I'd done was in the face of clearly how he told us all to live, I felt all of a sudden such a burden to put it right. And it was almost as though I wanted to go to the Lord and to say, like on that night, I'm sorry, is there anything I can do to put this right? And as my understanding was growing of what the good news is really about, it was as though initially that God was just saying, there's nothing you can do. And then there's that sense of desperation. What do you mean there's nothing? Please, I understand that, let me put it right. And the Lord says, no, you don't understand. There is nothing you can do because I've already done it for you. that you can never pay for the things that you've gone wrong, done wrong. But I have sent my only son in your place on the cross to take the punishment you deserve, Tom Webster, that you might never face that punishment and you might have eternal life and come and live with me. And if I were to ask, Lord, why have you done that? He would say, because I love you. We see this brought at the end of the passage. In one of the most beautiful passages and best-known verses in all of Scripture, what Martin Luther called the Bible in miniature, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We have an opportunity to share this good news. We have an opportunity to share good news of a life in a new kingdom, good news of life with the Spirit, and good news of life everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you sent your only Son to be with us, to pay the price for our sin, that we might have eternal life, that we might have entry into your kingdom, that we might be cleansed and forgiven of our sins, that we might receive your Holy Spirit. Will you come among us now, fill us with your Holy Spirit and inspire us to share the good news with others in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing with me. I'd love to give us an opportunity to respond. First of all, of course, it may be that you have never responded to the good news yourself. Again, perhaps you're in a similar position to I was, a similar position to Nicodemus, where you think to yourself, there's something in this. I want to know more. I want to inquire more of Jesus. Or well, perhaps you'd like to begin that very journey today. When you come to him, all you have to do is come to him. All you have to do is look to the Son of God and you will be saved. I'd love to give you that opportunity to enter into the kingdom, to start that journey with God, to begin your inquiry, to grow, as a, uh, to become a Christian. Or perhaps you thought you were once a Christian, you've been off track, you want to come back to him. If you want to start that journey, have your slate wiped clean, be cleansed, 
get to know the Lord for the very first time, I'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you this morning. And just so I know who I'm going to be praying for, if you wouldn't mind just popping up your hand right now, and then I know who I'm going to include in this prayer in just a moment. So if that's you, if you'd like to come to know Jesus for the first time, if you could pop up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. That's great. You can see hands going up. Sometimes difficult to see up here. So if I haven't seen you, the Lord has. And what I'd like to do then is I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And for those of you watching at home, if you want to respond uh, to this, that'd, that'd be great. Just follow along with me as I pray a phrase at a time in church. If we can join in with them, that'd be wonderful. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for me. Holy Spirit, come into my life and cleanse me from the inside out. Give me new life and forgive me for my sins. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, either to come back to Him or to come to Him for the very first time, then we would love to have a chat with you afterwards. There'll be a space over uh, this side or in the auditorium. If you're watching online, you can contact us. Uh, but you will not regret that decision. You know, for the rest of us, we have an opportunity over the next few weeks leading up to Easter and every day of our lives to reach out to others with the good news. And what I want to do is I want to pray that we will be inspired to do just that. So if you wouldn't mind just placing your hand on your heart, you can close your eyes if you'd like. And I just want to pray just some simple prayers that the Lord will inspire us, that we might know what makes the good news good, that we might share that good news with others and see many come to Him. So Lord, we pray right now that for the Nicodemuses in our life, for the Tom Websters in our life, for the people around us, like that lady I mentioned in the story building up, that actually are reaching out to you because they sense something in it. Lord, will you highlight to them um, who those people are? Lord, we have everybody that we want to reach, but we also have special bridges with certain people. We highlight to them to us and give us a boldness to share with them. May we not hold back, Lord. May we reach out for as many people as we can possibly do to share the good news with them in Jesus' name. Lord, will you inspire us to realise that actually this is not all down to us. Where we've been too desperate, where we've been going about things the wrong way and perhaps trying to nag people into the kingdom. Will you help us to see this is your work, Lord? to relax and to trust in you, Lord, to give you the glory, to spend more time praying and less time nagging, more time sharing the good news, doing it your way and not ours, that we might see more people come to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody here that's felt that burden just far too strong in their lives, that you'll lift that burden off them, that they might give it to you because you care for them, Lord, and that they might recognise it is your work and that you want, you want that person saved even more than they do, Lord. So will you work through them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, may we never lose that sense of urgency because this is good news that people, means people will not perish but will receive eternal life. That you might get the reward of your sacrifice on the cross, Lord Jesus. That you love us, Lord. And that because you love us, you went through all that. May we not be negligent, Lord, in our responsibility to give you the reward for your love, Lord. Show our gratitude to reach out for others because you are worthy of their love. You are worthy of their worship. You are worthy of their adoration in Jesus' mighty name. Let's sing now to the one who is worthy.